Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, what is going on? It's uh, Hal Elrod, and I am here with a friend of mine, and not just an internet friend, not just like a Facebook friend, like a legitimate friend, a human being that I've spent time with in person and on the phone and via text and now via Zoom, which is how we are uh, connecting today. And my friend that I'm going to introduce you today, uh, David Schnurman, and I will give David an official bio here at some point, but I really wanted to dive in. You know, David, again, is, is a friend and we just, we jumped on Zoom right now and started chatting and I said, dude, let's just hit record. Like, let's keep the catching up and just record that and, and share it with the world. So David, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great, Hal. And I love that because so many times when, if I'm interviewed on a podcast, we spend 15 minutes talking and I'm just like, let's just go because I'm gonna <laughs> leave, all my good stuff is going to go before yeah. I, uh, we hit record. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yeah, the, the thunder is being stolen before the record button's being hit and that's not great. So, well, I'll let you tell the story, man. How did we meet? How did we connect? Because I mean, you reached out to me in a really yeah. generous way when the Miracle Morning came out. And so I'd actually love to hear your version. I, you know, I've probably heard it years ago, but I don't even remember. So tell me, tell the audience, how the heck did we connect, man? I think it was 2012. What year did the book come out? 2011? Yep. 12, 12, 12 was the published date of Miracle okay. Morning. I picked, I picked the date I wouldn't forget. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Uh, 2013 huh. was when I got the book and it was recommended to me by Joe Applebaum, who has connected me with a lot of great things in life. And I read the book and at the time that I read the book, I did not consider myself a morning person. I definitely, definitely 100% hit snooze all the time. And it just was not something that was part of my motto. But I, I was a productive person. I was an entrepreneur. I mean, you know, to, I be, to be clear, real quick, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but because no. I didn't give you an official intro, like, you know, David, everybody listening, he's the CEO of Lawline, which is the leading provider of online continuing legal education in the country. They serve over 150,000 attorneys. So I just wanted to, just because just as you're talking, I wanted to make sure people understood that uh, you weren't like living at your parents' house, uh, sleep until noon every day, like you were leading a, a multi-million dollar company, and, uh, but the morning was not a piece that you had conquered yet, correct? It's so funny you say that because with my mom, I'm, I'm always self-deprecating because I just you lead by just sharing your insecurities and your vulnerabilities. Yeah, when I was yeah. reading my book and she read it, she's like, Dave, there's too many negative things about you in here. You need to change. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's what works, mom. But she's yeah. like, you need to tell them that you're smart and you're good. So thank you. <laughs> That's funny. No, well, I, 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 she should have written the forward to your book then. Maybe <laughs> mom should have written it. Trust yeah. me, she would have. I am a self-declared Shah, which is I, I call self-help addict. So I read a lot of books, Hal. A lot of yeah. books on self-help. And most books I don't even finish because they're, it just doesn't relate to me or they could have been a blog post. And there was something with your book that I read probably in a day or two that was... I mean, I know what it was. It was super actionable to me. And I think there's different things that people take from different books. So I was already journaling at the time. The thing that I always repeat about your book that for me was a game changer was those three steps. Put the phone away from you. Move the alarm across the room. Yeah. 
drink a glass of water. And the key, the secret, secret ingredient that I never did that I do every day since is you brush your teeth. That mint from the, you don't even need coffee. We can put the coffee business out of, out of business because when I brush my teeth, it wakes me up. And so I decided to commit the next day. I, I had recently read also the success principles the year before by Jack Canfield. And yeah. principle number 54 is keep your agreements. That principle changed my life. And so as soon as I committed to the miracle morning, I started, I've never once in my life, Hal, since your book, I've hit snooze again. I'd rather sleep through a plane flight than hit snooze. So that's pretty cool. That is impressive, David, because I, I can't even say that I haven't hit the snooze button you know, since the book came out. That is impressive. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me preface it. Yeah, yeah. I might not hit snooze, but I'll, if I wake up and I'm too tired, I'll reset my alarm. So I'm intentionally... <laughs> no, but that's different. I'm intentionally yeah, different, saying, different. Yeah. I'm going to wake up later, and that's my choice. I'm not just going... Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that. I, well, you know, it's funny that what, what you just shared, I'll never forget. So everybody that is listening, Goal Achievers, David is not only the CEO of his own company, but he is the president of Entrepreneurs Organization in New York City one of the most prestigious chapters of entrepreneur organization or what is short EO for short. And if you don't know EO, it's the organization of 13,700 internationally. We're in 58 countries. I should let you intro that 13,000 CEOs around the world. So David, but no, the funny part is you, so David brought me out to speak at uh, EO New York and David, when you were in, I'm sure you probably remember this, but when you were, but I'll never forget it when you were, and I actually quote this a lot when you were introducing me, you, uh, you, you, know, you read my bio or my intro or whatever, and then you said, hey, I don't know if Hal's going to mention this, so I, need to, like, I, wanna, I hope he does because it's been the biggest game changer for me, you guys. Move your alarm clock across the room. Like, you go, if it wasn't for that, I'd still be snoozing my life away every morning. You know? and so I, I often talk about when I teach that five-step wake-up strategy, I go, look, I said, you know, there's a gentleman, David Sherman, who's the CEO of you know Lawline and president of EO and on and on. And I said, when he int- like this is how important the tip I'm about to give you is. When he introed me, literally, like the one thing he wanted to make sure I taught in my 90 minute keynote is move your alarm clock across the room. <laughs> and here's the reason why, Hal, because yeah. most people you need one takeaway from a book, like one thing that you can remember. Because yeah. obviously, Savers is really good because that's easy to remember. And so that was the one thing that, that stuck with me. And then everything else went from there. And so, sure. yeah, so I wanted to make sure we put that. I was a little hurt though, because you probably don't remember this. You also asked Joe to introduce you after I was introducing you. And I was like, wow, he probably doesn't think I'm going to do a good enough job. So uh, that's funny. I know it was more, I think it was more just a sympathy thing for Joe. Fair yeah, you we can tell him that. <laughs> much better than both of us. So we're, he's fine. Right. On. I know this episode is being around in circles uh, and kind of going in different places, which as I said, we would do that. And since if anybody knows me, that's how conversations with me go anyway. So might as well keep it real. But you have a new book coming out uh, that just came out and it is your first book, correct? The Fast Forward Mindset. Am I anything wrong there? Is that, is that no, correct? It's a, it's a, the official release date is actually May 8th. So depending on when this goes out, it'll either be out. That's the day this comes out, I think. Amazing. That's even May 8th, the day this comes out. How perfect is that? And uh, you reached out to me, asked me to write the foreword to the book. The edition of the book that I have read, and I want to be transparent with this, was an earlier edition. So it was so good. I just want to tell them to be listening. Like I haven't actually even read the final edition because you sent me an early edition that was like almost final, right? And that's what I wrote the foreword off of. But I know as an author, like, the polishing that gets done in the last few months and weeks, like, you know, up to the book, like 
that's where the book goes from good to like excellent. So I'm, I'm excited to, you know, to kind of read that for my second time and, and see what, uh, what the difference is, what the up- updates you've made have been. But so the book for anybody listening, it's called the fast forward mindset, how to be fearless and focused to accelerate your success. And David, I want to, I want to go back before the book, because this book yeah, really is for entrepreneurs, for what I, we talked about, and it's really for everybody. But you are so ingrained in entrepreneurship that, you know, we had actually had that conversation when you were writing the book. You reached out and asked me for different ideas on, hey, who should I write this for? Who should I target it for? And, yep. you know, I talked about, well, it can be, it's a general book for everybody. But at the same time, you can definitely target it for entrepreneurs and, and give some bonus tips and advice based on your entrepreneurial journey. So that's my question for you is, it's kind of a two-faced question. It's two sides of the same coin. How did you become an entrepreneur? But I know that there's a story in there of how you almost did not become an entrepreneur. So I'd love to hear your journey. Sure. So I'll start off with ever since I was in middle school, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I literally used to go to Office Depot and Staples when I was in middle school and I would walk through the aisles and I would like look at all the things that someday I was going to buy for my business, like the little <laughs> cash register machines, the little lockbox, the binders, the staplers. I swear to God, that was fun for me. So, and you were, so how old were you to that? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Got it. And what did you have? Like, was your dad an entrepreneur? Was your relative? Like what, what got you interested? It's funny. So my dad is a personal injury attorney. Um, he okay. retired, but he had his own firm. And I never thought about that as entrepreneurship. And he also invested in real estate. And so I got to tell you, like, I even see it in my son a little bit. I just think it's want a little bit in our DNA, like just wanting to control your own life. So I never, yeah. I think obviously for my dad, but it was, I think just something that excited me about the learning and growing and entrepreneurship. But with that said, so I went to high school. In high school, I would read Entrepreneur Magazine. Did you ever read that as a kid? Uh, or I did as not. A okay. I, well, mean, I, back, I read it, but no, I did not when I was younger. Uh, or whatever in college, but in the back, there's all those franchises. So I used to cut oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Like 40 pages of franchises. So I would cut out the ones I was going to buy. And then in, in college, I would read. That's where I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And Robert Kiyosaki I know, is really a big fan of yours and you're a big fan of his. That book is what inspired me to be an entrepreneur. The mm-hmm. thing about that book, though, it didn't teach me exactly what I needed to do to start. So I graduated college and I, and I remember thinking I was going to make seven figures within three years starting my own business. Like I was like, it was, it was a given. And then yeah. I think it was five years later when I was on my fourth sales job, like two years, one year, two years, I, I started to panic. Like I started to like wonder like if this person I've always believed of myself in my head was ever going to come true. And that's where like I started like wondering, you know, I started going to therapy and just trying to figure out what my, my next path was. And, and I joke because I, I just did a speech and I, I say in the, in the speech where I was like, so I did what any budding entrepreneur would do. And what did I do? I did what my dad wanted me to do. And I went to law school. <laughs> I went to law school. <laughs> and so it was in law school though, where I had some really um, bad experiences at, at law firms that transformed my thinking that... So I had some bad experiences at law firms, which pushed me... To, I started a TV show in law school. This is before podcasts. Is it for 2006? An online first, TV show or... It was, no, it was on cable access in Manhattan. It was called Manhattan Neighborhood Network, Channel 37. Wow. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. And, um, and I also put it online. It was called True NYC. So if you go to truenyc.com, you can see it. And you'll see the interviews from 2006. Simon Sinek was one of them. And I oh, interviewed yeah. Simon before. You know, he, was, he was amazing back then, but it was before his TED Talk, before his book. And in our interview, 
he actually told me after that interview, he asked me for the DVD because he said it was the best interview he ever done at that time. Wow. And I couldn't figure out how to get in the video file because he wanted to sell it. <laughs> and, and he goes to me, oh, well. And I, like, my whole life, I'm like, what a missed opportunity that was. Um, oh, that is so funny. <laughs> but long story short, this TV show was the beginning to everything, including to me speaking to you today, that led yeah. me to, to my path. And I can get into, I don't know how, how deep you want me to get into it, but it was essentially the main theme that I got from, the, from all the interviews. Number one thing was obviously take action. And yeah. there was a couple opportunities that I had to start law line in college. I can definitely get into that, but I just want to make sure yeah, I don't go yeah. too far down the story if you don't want me to. So, so law line, was that the first departure from being an attorney, like going down that, the, the, your dad's path as an attorney and then starting law line? Was that, so you started the TV show. Did you monetize the TV show? Did you make money from that? So I thought the TV show was going to be my big money maker. Um, okay. But as soon as I started doing Lawline, it, I, I was making money the first month. And so Lawline, just to give a little bit more context, and the reason yeah. uh, having a cable TV show wasn't so uh, foreign to me, my dad had the first cable television show for called Lawline in 1985. This is oh, wow. like, he was like, they called him the Larry King of law, I guess. You, that's what he likes to say at least. And he thought, okay. and again, <laughs> self-proclaimed Larry, Larry King yeah, of law. Exactly. <laughs> so he, he was um, so ahead of his time. And I was even ahead of my time when I was doing it in 2006. And in 1999, during the dot-com boom, him and a couple different, uh, his partner and a couple other companies, they tried. So he, he actually started Lawline. And they put a lot of money into it to create this online education platform. And their goal was to merge with a lot of companies, go public, make millions of dollars and retire. And then the market crashed in 2000. Pets.com, all those things, everything disappeared. And everything dried up for him. And he just went back to practicing law. But the smart thing that my dad never did, even though the site wasn't making money, maybe it was $1,000 a month, but it was losing money every year, he never threw it away. So literally for six years, Seven years, he just had it there and he just kept it and it would do like 12,000 a year or something like that. And so when I did interviews with these entrepreneurs, I remember thinking like, what if I just took this camera and started interviewing attorneys and turn those into courses and then say, we're Lawline and and we've been around since 1999. (laughs) Nice. I like the way you think. It was the key because when I did that, I was able to get accreditation very quickly in many states. Oh, wow. I wasn't a startup. So I could have done it all on my own, called it true CLE, but yeah. certainly wouldn't have had the head start and who knows where it would have ended up. That's brilliant. So you launched Lawline. What year was that? 2007 is when I incorporated, but I started in 2006. 2006, got it. And how old were you at that point? I graduated school. I was 29. Okay. So you're 29. You're headed down the path to be an attorney. What'd you say? I'm 41 now, just to give context. 41 now, yeah. When was the, like, how long was it before you went? I'm, I'm curious about this because our lot, my, I interviewed someone uh, last week, Jesse Harless, and the whole interview was about kind of how he, you know, was able to like leave his job, you know, leave a very secure job. In fact, it was at one point his dream job because he really wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I, I'm curious, is that tra- I always find that a fascinating transition because I think for a lot of people, you know, they stay in a job that they don't necessarily love or doesn't make them the money they want or doesn't fulfill them because of fear of the unknown or fear of failure and that sort of thing. Yep. So I always find it so fascinating when somebody uh, bridges that gap between being an employee and being an entrepreneur. 
So I'd love to hear just a bit about that. Like, how do you do it financially from having a paycheck to, you know, was it that you generated income from Lawline enough to replace it? Like, what was your process to transition and how long? Yeah, my dad doesn't like to admit this. So first, let me just say he's been the biggest mentor to me over the past 11 years in so many ways. He also, though, sometimes is a little like uh, doubtful. So I remember when we were doing this, he was very doubtful it was being successful. And he would, the first question he asked me is, how are you going to support yourself? And I said, it's going to work. And I put together a business plan and it said we we're going to make a million dollars within three years. And so the first thing I did, because we didn't have money to pay rent, was I asked my dad if we could take over the kitchen in his office and do the company from there. And he said, yeah. Okay. So one, and it, he had a law office where he rented out other spaces to lawyers. So we literally took the stuff out of the kitchen, like all these different things. I put my desk in there. And I remember like the first couple of years, I would be on the phone with customers and you can literally hear the, the lawyers in the background washing dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And so what I like to say in, in Silicon Valley, you start a business in a garage. In Silicon Alley in New York, you start it in a kitchen. And so, <laughs> so that was one way we kept the cost down. Secondly, yeah. my first, all my first employees were interns, either from law school or nice. interns from high school and some really great people. And third, we look, a lot of luck and good timing. I started it right before there was a really big deadline in one state. So my mm-hmm. third month into this new business, and it was credit cards to answer your question, what we used to, to pay for the direct marketing. Okay. Um, and, I found, and by the way, the company I hired to build the website, I met them through my True NYC, my interview. So everything came from that. Um, my third month, we made $10,000 in revenue. Wow. And I remember I took Kelly, my wife, out to the most expensive restaurant in Kilgramercy Tavern in New York City. And I remember thinking, it can't get any better than this. And, and of course, that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Yeah, of course. And what law line, the, how many years in business are you now? And what, what's, you know, what, give me an idea of revenue, you know, whether, yeah. you know, annual or total or yeah. just kind of an idea. Just to give you a sense of growth. We yeah. literally grew in about five years from close to zero to just about 5 million in revenue. So, oh, wow. uh, so my expectations were, okay, well, if that's the case, we're going to be at a hundred million, you know, pretty soon. So let's get ready. And yeah. then, then essentially from 2012 to 2017, we slowed down. It was like went from hundred to 300% growth to like five to 10% growth a year. And like that five year period, was a lot of what sort of inspired this book because I felt so bad about myself that I didn't have a bigger business or I, I didn't have enough confidence or I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I don't really talk about that in the book, but that was part of the... I had a conversation with my dad when I turned 40, being honest with him. And I was like, and I can talk about that at the end. I'll, I'll circle back to that just to stay on this point. So we hired a coach to work with our executive team. We've been working really hard. And now we're growing again at 30% a year. Uh, for the past couple of years. So we'll probably do somewhere between seven to eight million dollars this year. Nice man. Congratulations. It's it's beautiful. And and what's your what and you have employees, right? You have a team? We have about twenty five full time people in New York. Nice, nice, nice. Um so let's let's dive into the book because this, you know, obviously I wrote the foreword. I believe in the message. I believe in the strategies that you shared in this book. First and foremost, the title, why is this called the fast forward mindset? So ultimately for me and for everybody, we want to figure out how we can fast forward our growth, our impact, everything that we're trying to achieve in our business. And so for me, the reason I called it the fast forward mindset, I realized when I was 40 
I realized if by the time I'm 60, I keep at the same pace that I'm on, I'm going to have a lot of regrets. I'm going to be happy. And, and my fear was that I wasn't going to hit rock bottom. My fear was that I hit my comfort zone and I was going to be in my nice house and I was going to have a business that was, you know, in the millions and everything was good. But I have this vision of what I want to achieve, but it was really the vision of the impact that I wanted to have. So the fast forward mindset is how you fast forward your impact on the world around you. And the subtitle tells it you it's about how to be more fearless and focused to accelerate your success. And ultimately, I believe first there's personal growth plus impact equals success. And that's how I judge my, when I say success for me, that's what it is. That's how you measure it. Yeah. And so everybody wants to fast forward what the experiences that they can have in order to fast forward your experiences, you need to be more fearless and focused. And the book really hammers out how to do that. I love that. So that, I mean, it's a great point that it is part of the human condition is a, we want to improve ourselves and our lives. B we're pretty damn impatient and we really want to fast forward there now. Right. You know, it's like the, uh, I want, I want to be a blank or I want to achieve blank or whatever. And I, I want it, you know, I'd like it to happen now. And of course now is not an ideal time frame for, you know, achieving significant results or improvement. So what is the breakdown, the three-step fast forward mindset framework in terms of getting out of your comfort zone, but more importantly, staying out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Cause that's such a, a crux of this book. Yeah. And just to say, speak on that one point that you said, um, mm-hmm. as now with some gray hair, which I do have gray hair now, <laughs> I've once, seen it. once you hit 41, you're closer to 60 than you are to 20. And so when uh, I say fast forward for me, it's not necessarily about like, cause I used to think I wanted everything the same year that I thought it, it's about yeah. the next 20 years about getting the results that I want because you realize how fast, like nine 11 was almost 20 years ago and yeah. you realize time goes by. I, I can start, I can start thinking in decades versus in years. And when you can think that way, that's how things start to fast forward. Cause you have to be more fearless and focused throughout. So I just wanted to, it's not a get rich quick thing or sure, sure, sure. a mindset shift for the rest of your life. So yeah, I'm glad so, you clarified that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, because if not, you're just going to lead to disappointment every day and feel like a failure more. Um, yeah, and absolutely. also it's not about the achievements that you make. It's about the effort that you put in. So if I feel like I put the effort in to be more fearless and focused, and I know I went through that, the number one lesson in the book, and I, I'll answer your question is not to label any outcomes. So because I don't label outcomes of what happens, if you know, whether it's this interview goes well or it doesn't go well, or we don't have uh, the revenue that we expect we're going to have, the more I don't label it as good or bad, because we tend to label things bad 20 times more than they're good, the yeah. more I just go with the flow. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, the three steps, it's how to, yeah. number one, take action to get out of your comfort zone. Because if you can't get out of that box, that's all the walls around you, nothing matters. So you got to take action. And, and sometimes it's just believing you're signing up for that 52 mile race that you did, right? You don't have, it's not necessarily the running part. It's literally signing up for it. So you took that action. Step two is, I don't know, a month after you signed up for that, maybe the minute after you're like, what did I do? <laughs> of course. Right? Like I, I can't do this 52 mile race. This is insane. And most normal people, especially in a 52 mile race, will figure out why emotionally that doesn't make sense. And they'll just they'll move on. And so emotionally, you want to go back into your comfort zone. So step two is called NIP, fear in the bud. And NIP is an acronym that is, it's changed my life. It's my, I know you talk about, I think, I don't know if you were words magic mantra in your book, but I call it my magic mantra. When I NIP fear in the bud, it's 
when I emotionally have like feel the w- weight of my world, the world on my shoulders, and I all I feel like everything's gonna fall apart for whatever yeah. reason. You know, it hits you out of nowhere. You're just it's a great day, and then all of a sudden you don't even know what it is. I keep saying fear in the bud, and N is not alone. I is I will get through it, and P is play the part. And so, if you're able to emotionally prevent yourself from going back into your comfort zone, the next thing you do, which is step three, is you need to find your focus because. And I'll repeat this for me and you because I know we're very similar cloth. I will take anybody, any day of the week who takes action versus someone who doesn't, and you'll have an impact. But if you want to have a true... And you've already done it. So you've proven it. And I want to be you. If you want to have long-lasting impact and impact millions of people, there's no way you can launch the miracle equation the way you did without true focus. And the two components to true focus is number one is keep your commitments if you want, I could share three lines that the same way moving your alarm clock was the three lines in your book that transformed my life. There's three lines in uh, Jack Canfield's The Success Principles that changed my life in the same way. And I can share that with you okay. if you want. And then the yeah, second... So, yeah, go ahead. Just so I'm clear. So I, I'm not sure if I missed a piece here. The, uh, I want to make sure you know, for me and for the listeners. So step one is take action to get out of your comfort zone. Correct. Right. It's one of those things I always... Uh, whenever I uh, I hear something that someone else might go, or even I might say, you know, oh yeah, well, of course I already know that. I always, for me, it's like a red flag because it's not what we know, it's what we live. And so I would ask anybody listening, where are you staying in your comfort zone right now? What is something that you could and or should do to get out of your comfort zone? Something, you know, starting an exercise routine, changing your diet, giving up something that's that's detrimental to your health, your success, your mindset, your finances, whatever. What is it that is outside the realm of your comfort zone that you are you're shying away from and how can and, and by the end of the uh, today's conversation here with you david i'd love for people to have you know for you to challenge them to, to implement these three steps so the first step being uh take action at your comfort zone number two i love that acronym nip fear in the bud not alone i will get through it play the part break that down for us real quick and then step three um that's where i was my question was on step three i wasn't clear if you had already articulated step three or what you were explaining right now was part of Sure. Step two or something. Yeah. Thank, thank you. I really appreciate you clarifying. So yeah, step yeah. three is called find your focus. And uh, okay. most entrepreneurs are built in our cloth. And I mean, I think we're similar in many ways is yeah. that we're action oriented. We're visionaries. We're not detail oriented. I cannot send an email to my anyone I know without there being typos. And I'll reread it 17 times. <laughs> and I've seen it in yours too. So that's why... And, and But I love how you just you email your people. You're like, whatever, who cares? And I've seen... <laughs> I, it's, like, honestly, when I see you do your videos, you just don't care. Like, you know, you just be yourself. And so, so that's who I am. Here's the problem with that, Hal. Like, taking action only got me so far. And so what I realized is the reason my business got stuck from 100% growth to 5 to 10% growth is taking action only got me to that $5 million level. And then the, there was no focus or structure or planning or vision or accountability really in my company. It was just everybody following my millions of ideas. So at that time, the only way to transform us from a $5 million company to $25 million company is to find our focus. So that makes sense before I go further? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And here's the thing. You can, you can nip fear in the bud and, and tell yourself you're going to run that 52-mile race and then a month goes by. But let me ask you this. Imagine you were doing that. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. But imagine you didn't train for that. Or imagine you didn't have a training plan. So a lot of the 
chapter nine, I ran three marathons in three years. And I realized the only reason I was able to do that, I thought it was about, you know, I asked people, they're like, oh, because you were fearless. I'm like, no, it's because I had focus because I had a training plan and I knew exactly how long the marathon was, 26.2. So when I was at mile 23 and all I wanted to do was quit, I knew I put in all the time and I hit all the dates. And so for me, what I realized was it was the simplicity. It sounds so obvious, so forgive me, but I used to plan without putting goals in it. I would just say, here's all the things I want to do in life. And as soon as you put a date attached to a goal, it turns into an actual training plan because you're making that commitment. And so once I realized that unless you put goals and dates and actually know where you're going, it's going to be much harder because all the the walls or the challenges that are going to come in your way, like at mile 45 when you probably wanted to quit or whatever that wall is, you know, where you're facing your business. If you don't have true focus, you won't get through it. And the key to getting through it is keeping your commitment. And I'm happy to share. And then the, the best way to keep your commitment is by having a plan with goals and dates. So step three, find your focus. Uh, if I'm understanding correctly, right, you're breaking it into kind of, there's two sub steps to finding your focus, correct? Correct. So it's keeping your commitment and the yeah. best way, I'll share the strategy in a second to keep okay. your commitment. And the best way to keep your commitment is have, I call it a training plan to make it very clear because we hear the word planning every time. And yeah. all I want you to think of is a marathon training plan. What does a marathon training plan have? It has the distance you're running each day and the dates that you're going to do it. And so you know each week if you did it or you didn't. So if you have a plan that doesn't feel that obvious, you're running on passion, not a plan. And honestly, I don't care if you hit the goals or not. You just need to know which direction you're moving in. And so, yeah, David, let me. Yeah. I, I want to ask you. I'm going to say something. I want to ask you something. So for me, when I was training for my first and only marathon, right? Best day of my life, worst day of my life, never doing it again. You are uh, more a man than I am with your three marathons, but. When I did that, I I bought yeah, 52 a book. miles. So let's let's be real. All right. So I I guess I can one up you on it. We we one up each other in different ways. There you <laughs> go. But uh, no. But for me, I mean, and I it's funny because I haven't thought about this in a long time until you just said it, and it reminded me of how important and valuable this is, and which is why I used to talk about it all the time. I just kind of got away from it. But it's the idea that that plan it was the make or break. It was the difference. It was, I knew to your point, exactly how many miles I was going to, I was supposed to run each day. And then, and then here's the extra piece that I wanted to mention. And I don't know if there's a resource like this that you added in the book or downloadable, or you just make a recommendation for people, but here's the deal for me. And I I think it was, yeah, it was actually in the book itself called the non runners marathon trainer, where there was a tracking guide, right? So each day it said, you know, Monday, two miles, target, two miles, actual blank, right? And then every day, I had to fill in how much I actually ran relative to the number that was sitting right above it, which was in black and white, large, bold font, which was the number that I was supposed to run. And by having two things, number one, having the plan, but then having the space to either to track it, to either either I did or I didn't. I either I put a zero in there, right? When it said two miles, I either put a, a two or I put a zero or I put a one or whatever. But more often than not, I would put a two and it was simply the, the simple accountability of having a blank space right underneath yep. the, um, the, the number that I had made a commitment to, to follow through with. So anyway, just the, I, I want to emphasize how crucial this is to have a specific detailed plan with exact numbers, exact timelines, exact outcomes that you are committed yep. to and then and then some way of tracking your progress along the way. So I just yeah. 
Yeah. And so two things on that one. So I use a Google sheet and not only did I put how many miles I ran, I wrote exactly what the run was. So it'd be like kind of fun, but let's just be clear and honest with everybody. No plan you'll ever set in your life will be as clear as a marathon training plan because that's been time tested for decades. So it's like, you know, if you run this miles at this time, you're going to have enough at least mileage to do it. So we have to recognize that many of the plans that we set in our business and in our life are not going to all have the outcomes that we expect, but that's okay because you're not labeling the outcomes. So I'm less concerned about the outcomes and more concerned that you at least, it can be a month, it can be simple as, as you want it to be, but just attach a couple dates to it. You'll move further and you'll feel better about yourself. And the good news is how each step has a downloadable worksheet. I even created an online nice. Google survey that I know some people don't want to download PDFs. It's literally a Google form that's 13 questions. By the time you finish that 13 questions, you'll be able to have a fast forward mindset plan. And so I just know my personality is I don't like doing any of this stuff. So my goal is to make it as easy as possible and you can do as little as you need to get started. On kind of that note, who would you say this book is for? Because A, this is the Achieve Your Goals podcast, right? B, we all, the, the premise is that we all have, you know, need to get better and fine tune our ability to set and most importantly, achieve meaningful, worthwhile goals. So obviously everybody listening is at different parts of their journey, right? Some people are just finding the podcast and they're just learning about goal setting. Some people are like you or I, that they've been setting goals for decades, right? So who's the fast forward mindset? Who's this book for? So there's three camps. And so one of the reasons it's called the Entrepreneur Edition it's mainly because it's geared towards my stories as an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. if you were looking to start a business, you're, you're going to have a lot of tools to be able to do that. So it's the aspiring entrepreneur. It's the current entrepreneur who feels stuck in wherever they are in the business. And the third one is anybody... Because I've had a lot of people read this who are not entrepreneurs. and like, oh my God, this is perfect for me too. It's anybody in their career right now who feels stuck who feels like they're stuck in their comfort zone. They're not happy where they are. And, and of course, that's the whole bigger self-help genre. And the reason I didn't want to just make it geared towards that from the beginning is I just felt that I needed to focus on where I'm an expert in, and that's in entrepreneurship and growth. But it's, the reason it applies to everyone, this is about, as you know, mindset. So mindset is the same thing for everyone. The only difference is as an entrepreneur, you're forced to get out of your comfort zone much quicker than if you're in your current career. So it applies much sooner to an aspiring entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. But essentially, anybody who's stuck uh, where they are right now, the book will be really a a great read for you. And 60% of the book, as you know how, is is stories. So I don't like when a book has too much just 0.1, 0.2. So it's eight to 10 stories. Each story goes through one of the... There's nine chapters. So like, it's a very short book. It's only uh, you know by maybe a three-hour read. Each yeah. story shares a, less, a failure that I had or a challenge that I had or a wall that I had and the lesson that I learned. And then it backs it up by the best books that are out there, by research that's out there. And as you like to say, and I'm, I think I'm going to start using this line because it's a good <laughs> line, but it's true. It's what entrepreneurs and successful people have been using for hundreds of years. We take stuff from Think and Grow Rich from Dale Carnegie, from books that are Napoleon Hills, you know, he just he, he did all the research for you. So you have these great leaders and authors that you can stand on their shoulders to help put it out there. And, and maybe you said this, I think you did in one of your, your podcasts, that regardless of, or one of your videos, regardless of how much you put it out there, only 5% of people read books. 
like I said, I'm very inspired by you because this is so much bigger than the book. The mission for me is how to help others fast forward their impact on the world around them. And I would love to follow in your footsteps and impact millions of people. So I'm going to have to interview you and and, and understand (laughs) your path because correct me if I'm wrong. It wasn't like straight, straight up from the beginning you had, it was slower in the beginning. Then you sort of hit some hockey stick numbers, correct? Yeah. And it's funny, I've realized this more recently because when I'm being interviewed about the new book, The Miracle Equation, one of the stories I tell is how I applied the miracle equation to the miracle morning. And it's like, I hadn't really, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew this, but I didn't really like, I wasn't really present to it. And that is that my goal when the miracle morning came out was to change 1 million lives one morning at a time. And I set a one year time frame on that. And at the end of the year, I had sold 10,000 copies. So I was 990,000 copies short of my goal. And I remember thinking at that time, I go, you know what? Maybe it's going to take you 30 years. Maybe one year was, was off. Uh, maybe it'll take me 30 years, but I'm committed for as long as it takes. And it took six years, you know, to get there. So, well, 10,000 books in one year is 999,800 more than most books sell. I think it's like 200 <laughs> average copies. So, sure, so that, sure, sure. that shows you're on the terrible. Now. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's what I look for is evidence of, you know, that you see that, Hey, this is working. It's working. If it's working for a small amount of people, it could work for a larger amount of people. And I know we're coming to the end of this. Can I share the 30 second keep your commitment trick? Cause I said I yeah. would. Yeah, please. So this, this is from Jack Hanfield's book. He, he shared a story about a class that he taught and in the class, everyone had to sign an agreement. And one of the agreements was they wouldn't show up late. So a couple of days into the class, several people showed up late and goes, you broke your, your agreement. And one guy goes, well, it's not my fault. I can't control traffic. And Jack said to him, well, if I told you, if you showed up late, somebody you loved would be killed, what would yep. you do? And he goes, oh, well, if somebody I love would be killed, that I would never leave. That's how important it would be to me. And it's an extreme example. What it goes to show you, you have control. If you really want to get something done, you, you do. And so when I make a commitment now, whether it's running a marathon, having an appointment with somebody, or cleaning the dishes in my house, in my mind, I'm literally thinking, I need to keep this commitment. If I don't, somebody I love would be killed. And mm-hmm. nine out of 10 times, that gets me across the line. And there was a time in my life, right around the time when we first met you, I was, I was a frazzled CEO who was just canceling meetings all the time. I wasn't cleaning the dishes at home. And I thought it was not that big a deal, but it ended up being a huge thing. And the, the number one thing was I wasn't taking care of my health. And that's why how I started running marathons. And that's why I ran three in a row because of that. Beautiful, beautiful, man. Well, I, I mean, David, you're again, for just to recap for anybody listening, you know, you are running a, you know, five, six, seven million dollar a year company and you started at zero and you utilized what you learned uh, or what you teach in this, in your book, the fast forward mindset. Uh, so if anybody, um, as you said, if they're on the path where you're, a, uh, you know, a current successful entrepreneur, but you want to go to the next level, you're an aspiring entrepreneur or anybody who is stuck in a career, this book is for you and uh, get it, you can get it. I'm assuming Amazon's probably the best spot or where, where yeah. do you get the book? David? Amazon's amazing. You put in fast forward mindset, it's the first link. And we actually okay. just launched our site this week. So nice. fastforwardmindset.com or ffwdmindset.com, which almost was the cover. <laughs> You'll get to the site as well. And I really appreciate everybody. And I really want to, similar to Hal, and there's so millions of us out there, and I'm sure people listening are like that. We just want to help people live to their potential. That's that's our why. And so 
it just gives me more energy to, to share my knowledge and to, to work with others. And that's why your community is so amazing. There's so much love from people who are just trying to better themselves. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you leading by example and pay and you know, you're David, you're just, we've known each other quite a few years now, six, seven years, maybe longer. And, uh, you're not only highly we're just, successful, and we're just getting started. We're just getting started, right. but uh, yeah, your, your heart, your heart is bigger than your success, man. So I appreciate you. And uh, I'm grateful that you finally made this dream yes. out of writing a book for many years that we've talked about for many years and you, you made it true. And thank you for allowing me to invited me to write the forward. Huge honor. And uh, I'm excited. Thank you, for, thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on today. And uh, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, goal achievers. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, check out David's book on Amazon or go to fastforwardmindset.com. That is the book, The Fast Forward Mindset, How to Be Fearless and Focused to Accelerate Your Success. I have read this book. And again, I wrote the forward. So I would not have written the forward for any book that uh, I didn't believe in. And I believe in David Schnurman. So goal achievers, I love you. And I will talk to you next week. And until then, keep your mindset on point and uh, make it a great week. Awesome. Thanks, Hal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 